From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about the media. Just how useful is investment advice from the internet as opposed to, let's say, a financial advisor? Of course, you're going to expect us to say that an advisor's advice would obviously be better and would help you further in your investment lives, but is there something to watching the media? Does it actually help you? Does it keep you informed? Or is it merely entertainment? Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast each and every week. We appreciate watching our numbers grow and keep those emails coming in for uh, episode suggestions and corrections. We've been getting those. That helps prune and preen our content to make sure what we're delivering is as accurate and as useful as it can be. So we really appreciate that. Guys, thank you so much again for listening. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are y'all doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Adam, excellent shirt as usual. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm doing well also. It's good to be here with you guys. It's really nice to be able to see y'all again. I know. I like it. Well, yeah, hopefully we'll be back. We'll be back soon. See, now I can gauge your genuine reaction to my jokes, you know, which I normally can't just over mm. the phone. Now I can look at your face and see if yeah. you actually thought my jokes were funny. Keep your expectations low, Jared. Keep your expectations <laughs> low. I like how you, you can kind of get a feel, though, for like each each of our kind of vibes and styles. Like, Jared, I'm not at all surprised to see multiple <laughs> guitars in the background. I see. I'm guessing those panels behind you are for sound deadening, better better sound in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and then Michael, just, you know, a lot of complicated books behind you and theories of life and statistics adam, and then here we have adam, harry potter it tells you everything you need to know <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say with adam it's just only adam's face there's no room for anything else because adam's so good looking there's always room for texas there's always room for texas always always room for texas exactly uh so today is an adam topic actually today we're going to talk about investment media i titled this Adam, you can uh, tell me if this is good or not. How useful is investment media? How's that? Sure. I mean, I think we could probably See? couch it a lot of ways. I can gauge uh, that face. Yeah. I mean, I, we could we could approach it a lot of ways, but you know, I think the whole idea is how should we approach? How should we think about how we digest, you know, financial me- media in general, honestly, but in this context, financial media. Well, I'm going to read a small intro from an article that I thought put it perfectly, and then we'll get right into this, starting with Adam after my uh, reading. Perfect. All right. So the financial media is omnipresent, whether it's hearing about what the Dow did today or on your drive home or taking a head. Okay. I don't even know this word. Pontificating. That's a word. Do you know that word? I don't know. I'm all right. I don't even know that. What does pontificating mean? It's what we're doing on this podcast. Enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So whether it's hearing about what the Dow did today on your drive home or a talking head pontificating about how the markets are obviously about to tank, we are consistently immersed in a miasma of prognostication. Hold on. Let me get my let me get my uh, thesaurus out real quick, and we'll be on our way. You guys don't know miasma. M i a s m a. Yeah. 
like a quagmire. The Did writer guess... of this article was obviously writing to smarter people than us. So everyone has a take on what the markets will do next and what you should do now. Whether that take has any relation to reality or not doesn't seem to have much relevance. Unlike pregame shows, no one is keeping track of how their an analyst picks have done throughout the season. But here's the thing. People are obviously paying attention to all that noise coming from the financial media. If there wasn't an audience for this type of stuff, the financial media would go about things differently. They are, after all, businesses. So it's worth thinking about their incentives and how they drive what the financial media produces. How's that? It's a good intro. So, Adam, can we trust advice from people incentivized to shock, surprise, and wow us? Yeah, so I think what I would pick apart there is your use of the word advice. Um, Yeah, we need to be very clear about what the financial media is, and it's a form of entertainment, period, point blank. Now, it can be informational entertainment. It can be uh, important entertainment, and it can be analytical entertainment, but it is ultimately entertainment, which means given the choice between something that is going to be more entertaining or more accurate or more um, rational, their incentive is to lean to the the more entertaining side. That's not to say they're, uh, you know, I'm not here to accuse anyone of intentionally lying or misleading, but, you know, there's hundreds of economists that I'm sure would love the publicity of being interviewed on a CNN, on a CNBC or um, CNN Money or whatever the case is. They find the economists or the analysts or the specialists that happen to fit you know, whatever story it is they're trying to weave. So if you have two analysts, one saying, you know, we have indicators that the market's going to crash 80% over the next 30 days, and you have another analyst that says, ah, that's statistical noise. We think markets are going to continue to be relatively steady over the next 60 days and probably for the next five years. Which analyst do you think they're going to put on the news? And so I think it's just really important. And the reason I'm passionate about this, you said this was an Adam topic. You know, mm-hmm. we sit we sit around in between these podcasts, we just try to think about, you know, we look at suggestions we get from from you guys that listen, and we, we just talk about what we think would be helpful or useful or informational. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing is kind of unwinding the ball of anxiety and the ball of worry that I see clients, that clients bring to me. And oftentimes, things that they see or hear or read in the media is not 100% responsible, but some significant percentage responsible for that ball of anxiety that we're trying to unwind. So I'm just super passionate about you know, bringing this to the forefront of people's minds and when they're watching these things, doing it. And there's nothing wrong with watching the media. You need to get your information, but doing it in the right context and not just taking at face value everything they say as being you know, gospel. Michael, do you watch any uh, any investment investment media? Do you consume any news or anything of the sort? I do because I think it's important to know what is actually happening in the world. Uh, I think where people get sideways is is where you take what is happening and then you try to say, "Ergo, this is what will happen." So, this is something I've been thinking about lately. Uh, a lot of countries in the world. Uh, when they issue debt, they have to issue debt in U.S. dollars. Uh, the reason is because nobody wants to get a South African rand, a payment of South African rand, that's going to be worth who knows what in the future. 
U.S. dollar, it's usually been more stable, so you're going to get that. So that's good information to have. Here's another good piece of information. As the dollar declines, uh, people in South Africa who are generating a profit are going to have to use less and less of that profit to pay for their U.S. dollar debt. So they may be in a better position to do other things with their money. They may grow more as an economy. Good information. South Africa's economy is set to explode by 800% over the next decade. Who said that? Like those first two pieces of information were good. The third piece of information is going to be attention grabbing, headline grabbing. Now I've got to sell you a South African fund. Have I got a deal for you? All right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, what, what Adam and I both want people to do is focus on the facts and then let's talk about what those facts may point to. Statistically, what's the most likely thing to happen here? And then, you know, historically, has that proven true? Why or why not? So I do listen to the news, but I also am very good about tuning out the, the hype. So if somebody's trying to sell me something, if somebody's trying to convince me of their position on something, I pretty much just shut down. Like, just give me the facts and then present your case if you're, you know, if you're if you're going to present a case. So is the media just entertainment to you, Michael, knowing all that? No, there are a hundred journalists, thousands of journalists who are literally paid to go out and find information. They should be paid. I don't know what I don't know what they're actually paid to do, but there are people who are paid who go out and they get information and they have access to sources that I don't have. So they bring information that's valuable to the table. Uh, it's not entertainment in that sense. It's real information. I think, you know, when you talk about the financial news, if somebody said, uh, like Jim Cramer or Susie Orman, I think some of these shows were like you you call in and there's a, a gong and a woohoo, and you just can't, there might be some good information in there, but you can't deny that a lot of that is just fun entertaining. It's almost got a game show quality to it. And so you should be a little bit, you know, if somebody told me, hey, I designed my entire portfolio around a game show, I'd be like, well, that's not a good idea. And, you know, Jim Cramer's not just a game show. I'm not saying that anyway, but, but I'm sure if he had a chance to sit down with somebody and have an honest conversation where he you listen to their entire story, not just, should I buy or sell Exxon? I don't know. What's the rest of your portfolio look like? What are your financial goals? What are your objectives? Just boom, sell, sell, sell. It's my triple sell recommendation because why? Well, that got me motivated, but oh, I didn't tell you, by the way, it's, you know, yeah, it's part of this portfolio versus that portfolio. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said, and I think it's like early on there you mentioned, I think it's important. Like there's a spectrum that ranges from, at least in my my opinion, there's a spectrum that ranges from fact slash analysis to opinion. Mm -hmm. And what and when we say media, we should be clear, like we're not just talking about, you know, cable talking news, heads. media talking heads, you know, print media, whatever it is. But on any of these platforms, any of these mediums, there's a range on that spectrum. And what they're so good at doing 
is jumping back and forth in those into the spectrum and mixing in opinion with fact and then fact with opinion mm-hmm. that they're oscillating back and forth where it all just sounds like someone is telling me something that they're so confident in and so sure about that like Malcolm Gladwell in his most recent book, he talks about the default to truth. As human beings, we are predisposed to believe what someone is telling us. It takes much more energy for us to doubt and to press to find out if that doubt is real yeah. than it does just to accept what we're hearing. So when someone that's dressed well in the header, it says, you know, they're the the chairwoman of the board of trustees for the think tank or whatever. It's like, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. They must be right. It's like, well, they're one person ultimately, and they have an opinion. Yeah. So they're just very good at blurring the lines between how much of this is objective fact and how much of this, to Michael's point, is things we're extracting from that fact to make conclusions about what will happen, yeah. right? And so I think it's just – now, I would still argue when you say it's not entertainment, who are they com- – like what is the product? Who yeah. are they competing against? Yeah. And my argument – this is maybe more specifically for like TV programs, but they're, they're competing against other forms of entertainment. So if that's what they're mm-hmm. competing against, I would argue that makes them entertainment. Now – their their form of being entertaining could include being being uh, informative and providing that analysis, but yeah. ultimately, that's what they're in the business of doing because they're you know it's I'm choosing between do I want to watch this guy tell me what's going on in the world of finance or do I want to watch you know the ninth inning yeah. of the Rangers game or do I want to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something else that might be more more scintillating whatever the case is yeah. I think I think that's a good point, Jared, because like when you say news, if I ask Adam, hey, Adam, what's the market doing today? What's the S&P doing today? He's going to go to Bloomberg or Google or Yahoo or he's going to get that's news. That's actual news. And so now if I ask Adam, hey, what's the market doing today? And he's got have I got a deal for you. What you need to know now. Right. It, wait a minute. I asked what. I ask what DRXIX was was trading at, not what your theory was on Biden's stimulus and how it's going to wreck the economy and inflation is going to take off. And so do you need to have long term duration match tips in your portfolio? That wasn't what I asked. I just asked you what what a fund was doing today that has long duration fixed income tips. So there there are two very different things. Now, I think what Adam's saying that's true is nobody opens the Wall Street Journal and spends hours looking at the actual data and is entertained, unless their name is Michael French. I mean, and even I'm not that entertained. Like, very few people just look at data and are like, interesting trend. I wonder if that held true in this time period or in this experience. So, what, where they make the money, where they grab your attention, where they hold your interest is, hey, look at this. And so, I, I mean, Jared, this is your world, but the longer that a person is on the YouTube video, the longer that the person reads through the article and stays on a screen, uh, the more likely they are to click on an advertisement, the more likely the the article is to be monetized. So step one is I have to get you to click on this article. So imagine if we started writing articles and we were like, maintain discipline even in tough times. No, really maintain discipline even mm-hmm. in tough times. That's, mm-hmm. there, there's only so many times you can write that article. And I mean, we've 
we do it because we, we do that yeah. consistently saying, hey, maintain discipline. But it would be a lot easier to be like, have I got a deal for you that I didn't have last year today? Or, or to always have a sure answer, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's power yeah. in always having a sure answer for someone. Because most time when people, you know, pick up the paper, they're looking for answers. They're looking for answers to their concerns, and their questions. So they, it, it, there is a powerful incentive for these these press organizations to want to have those answers. No one will sit there and go, well, could be. Time will tell. But th- the fact is, a lot of times, that's the real answer, <laughs> is that no one knows what's going to happen. And I think, like, why do I care so much about this? Is because it. I've just seen real scenarios with clients where this short answer that they're getting from either TV or newspaper or whatever, it gives them an overinflated sense of confidence and surety in their decisions. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if you entered a little bit more rationally as, you know, when you look at the incentive structure, they just want to have exciting topics, give you the answers that you may or may not want to hear as long as you feel those things extremely. Well, that's why I say, well, the world of advice is where we live and we're mm-hmm. graded not on how entertaining our advice is or how exciting our advice is on how successful our advice is. And so when we enter that world, we're much more careful than saying with extreme boldness, this is what's going to happen, which is why we're doing this with your money. It's no, this could happen. There's a statistical chance to some degree that this might happen. That's why you diversify. It's the number one way to hedge against a lack of certainty. That's why you do things like hedge against the US dollar so that if that thing happens, we have some recourse to be protected against it. But to have that level of surety leads to bad decisions. And I've seen it. I've seen folks go, I know markets are going to drop. I know they are. I'm selling to cash to sit on the sideline for two years and watch markets run up or vice versa. So that's why passion is because that sense of hesitancy, that sense of there is some uncertainty involved in what the outcome might be, there's some built-in safety in that because it it makes you tread more carefully, right? If you don't know what's around the corner, you're going to walk around that corner more slowly. And I think for the average investor, that's a very good mind space to be in when you're investing as opposed to, you know, I'm selling everything. I'm buying Bitcoin because the guy on CNN said it was it's going to the moon, you know? If you had to make a case for the media, what would your argument be in light of what Adam just said? I think the case for the media is what I said earlier, that they at best provide the function of giving you information. Um, I think that there, there's also a difference between uh, one of the things that Adam said, we get graded on advice. Uh, you know, nobody ever comes back later and hammers the, the guy who was wrong 17 times, but then made the right call in 2008. Everybody's just like, this guy was amazing in 2008. Look what he did. Well, what has he done since? What did he do before? Um, in, in music, that's the one hit wonder, right? And we're all, all kind of, yeah, I mean, great. But anyway, so 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 there's there's that, and then the other thing is, news is what has happened or what is happening in the world. It's not what do I think. It's not prophecy. It's news. And so when somebody comes along and they're like, "Let me tell you what's going to happen," I mean, how well is that crystal 
all worked before. And so, you know, even the way we construct portfolios, the way that we give advice should be based on and grounded in science and observe observations, not, well, I think, you know, X, Y, Z, because the, the same people that have that information are thinking different things. It's one of the things, you know, if we say markets are efficient, what we're essentially saying is, well, everybody has the same information. Um, so what I would say is news organizations, by and large, can tell me what's happening uh, to the government in Bolivia and what is happening with COVID rates in India in a way that's meaningful, and I don't have access to that information, and can help me figure out different, different investment strategies. Where it veers off into hyperbole and speculation is where you just have to shut your mind off. You have to say, I'm not going to listen to Joe give me his you know, deep, dark analysis of the future because Joe doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. Adam, would you say that the advice – well, which is better advice? Would you say the better advice would be to not watch the media and by media – encompassing what we're talking about to not watch it or to watch it with a grain of salt the latter because there is good information there now i i think you know the good news here is that there's more information available to the average person there's ever been the the problem with that is it it puts the onus it, it pushes more of the responsibility for sifting through that information on the individual so that's where i would say look watch it but but don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't tie your emotions to what these people are saying. Educate yourself on again the track record of these these entities, right? Like there's a very famous one that I'm sure a lot of folks listening have are aware of. But back in 1979, and this is well known in this industry, like they get blasted all the time. But Business Week, the the magazine had a cover called the death of equities. And under that, it says how inflation is destroying the stock market. Now, this was August of 1979. Since then, from the day after that article was published, August 13, 1979, the S&P has annualized 8.3%, which for the record far outpaces inflation. Now, did Business Week go out of business? Did anyone show up and say Business Week? I just sold every stock I have based on what you put on the cover of your magazine. I mean, the cover of the magazines, like dollar bills are just crumpled up and on the floor. Like it's hilarious. And so educate yourself on what is the track record of these things and, and just always have in the back of your mind what their incentive leads them to. I'm not calling them evil. I'm just saying they're doing what anyone would do given their incentive structure. But the good news is, like I said, there is more readily available information on the internet to any investor that wants it. But it is incumbent on you as the investor. Now, we take a lot of this responsibility ourselves. We try to be sources of this information. This podcast is an example of that. We try to be a source of where you can find good information and reliable news rather than entertainment. But ultimately, it's your money that you're investing. Even if you have an advisor, take the responsibility to do the, do the research, Educate yourself on what is true, what is not true, and find those sources that aren't interested in just being entertainment, that do hold themselves up as actual sources of news and information and not just 
you know, keeping you glued to the TV, whether it's an excitement or fear. You know, what's interesting is that that article was published in 1979. And there are two periods in U.S. history where uh, if you had held an equity for 10 years, it didn't outpace uh, inflation. And one was throughout the 70s. Throughout the 70s, any 10-year period that was ending in the 70s, uh, it was likely that you would look back and say, oh, equities didn't outpace inflation for these 10 years. Um, The other period was around 2008, 2009. And so if they had simply written an article that said, you know, if, if the title of the article had been historic, historical anomaly over the last decade, that would have made sense because, but it's the, it's the, the death of equities. Now, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's a famous headline. The, the article may have been more nuanced, but it, it, to Adam's point, that would cause you to grab the newspaper or grab the, the yeah most people most people see the cover most people don't yeah. just like yeah. most people see the ticker on the news show that they don't they don't dive in and say what does this really mean what's the context right. for this statement right mm-hmm. i definitely don't want to paint uh media in yeah. general as evil or bad that's not what i'm trying to right. do i just see so many people lose unnecessary hours of sleep and and it's you know a fewer mm-hmm. cases make actually poor decisions rooted in something that they've observed or seen in the news. And it's just disappointing. It's disappointing, you know, and it's hard to um, kind of what I always say, I, I get to live a lot of different experiences through the people that I work with. Right. So in a way I've made a lot of mistakes that I've kind of, you know, I've gotten to learn from seeing them do things that I've counseled against or seeing people, you know, behave in the, in the perfect way and seeing that pay off for them. So I'm just very passionate about getting this message out there because I think the average person probably gets most of their information from one of these, you know, unless you're a guy like, you know, unless you're in this world like like we are or unless you just happen to be super interested in it. If you've got a day job, you don't have the time to be sitting around, you know, sweeping the corners of the internet to find true financial data. You're, you're getting the news that you can from where you can get it when you have the time. And so just always put it through the filter of, you know, does this pass the sniff test of rationality or is there some other motive tied in here? Now, Adam, just as the media is motivated to shock us into reading their stuff, are we not motivated ourselves to advocate against them? Ultimately at the end of the day, we can be the nicest guys in the world, which we're, I'm sure we're not. We can be the funniest guys in the world. We're definitely not. What people care about at the end of the day is, did we manage their portfolio within the risk limits that they've set based on their goals? And did it attain the expected level of performance? Right Now, in some cases, the answer is yes. In some cases, the answer is no. If you started in 05 by 08, you're probably not very happy. But over a period of time, that's what we have to stand on is the results of our investment advice, period, in a discussion. So anything Mm -hmm. that ties into that, right? I would never want to incent someone. I would never want to educate someone that says, you know, um, if me telling someone to slow down and think through what you're hearing and try to be more rational about it, if that led to them making poor investment decisions, that hurts me just like it Mm -hmm. hurts them. So I'm yeah. my only incentive is to encourage behaviors that ultimately result in better portfolio performance because that is the incentive by which I, you know, that's the incentive structure that I have. 
right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to keeping their entertained. I don't need them to be entertained. It's the best when they're not entertained. Our perfect world is when they trust us to do our jobs and they let us do it for them well, period. So I just think you could twist it to say we're incentivized to, to you know, lobby against the press, but really it's just lobbying for sound investment principles. It doesn't mean every person that's on the news is bad. Like I keep saying, I'm going to keep reiterating that. And obviously I see the function of media and the press and having information out there. But I do think we're living in a unique time where there's a new equilibrium being found between, you know, it's like the the new way of getting information is here, but the old ways of doing it aren't completely out of the system yet. So these old ways of doing it are fighting and clawing, trying to keep their, their relevance and their seat at the table. And I think it's, it's made it more difficult for us as individuals and investors to mm-hmm. sort out the noise and figure out what's, what's real and what isn't. And so, you know, hopefully yeah. we're on the side of helping people find what's real. Exactly. Well said. Michael, anything smart you want to add to what Adam said there? No. I think Adam did a great job of sounding like he was smart. Adam is smart. I can only Adam, sound like it. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> That's all I got. Adam did a great job of being smart. As soon as, you got, as soon as we end here, I'm just going to go back to looking at pictures in the Harry Potter book until the day's over. So. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, if you had to trust any one source of media, guru or otherwise, if you just had to, if you could pick only one source of information and it had to be a media, who or what would you pick? I would say the Wall Street Journal just because uh, the way that it's written, the audience that it's written to, and I'm not saying, you know, agree with their political stance or their viewpoints. Uh, a lot of what they do is driven in data. Um, I would have said uh, I would I would trust Bloomberg. Uh, I think they have a lot of good information, you know, with with the, the founder of the company running for president for a couple of months, uh, you start to get some, you, you start to hear rumors and you start, start to see things that don't match with your historical experience of, of them, you know, where, where you would, mm-hmm. you would hear things and you'd be like, eh, but I, I have never, let's put it this way. I've never opened Bloomberg or Dow and said, Hey, I wonder if that's the right price. I wonder if they're telling me the real exchange rate between the dollar right. and the one. Like, I, I don't. The, the things, like, so I would trust any of those as data sources. What I, what I never believe is that they know 100% that if Biden's new tax policy goes into effect, this will be the impact on the economy. Yeah. They don't know. They, they you know, they their job is to scare you, to cause fear, to, and then what will some of the possible implications be? And I mean, this is one of those, you know, things that I was speaking to earlier and they were, we were talking and, and, and I asked, I said, well, is your fear that you're going to suddenly need a million dollars a year? And mm-hmm. so you're going to fall because you're, you know, you don't currently take out a million dollars a year. No, that's not it. Okay. Then if your fear is legitimately wealthy people will need to withdraw more money and it will cause there to be market sell-offs, understandable. If I have to rate, if I have to pay higher taxes, but I need to still maintain the same standard of living, and I have to sell more of the stock to, to get there, it is going to cause the price of that stock to go down. I understand that. Is that your fear? The response was, no, I hadn't thought about that. 
that scary. And I was like, I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to help you see the reality of that's your fear. And now let's think about the, the realistic impact of how many people we're talking about who are trying to raise millions of dollars a year, like as a, as a part of, you know, really who's selling and buying stocks. And then you start to see, oh, that's not really my biggest fear in life. Uh, so, you know, you start off with, this is what I'm scared of. The boogeyman gets deconstructed. You think you see another boogeyman because now you're conditioned to see boogeyman. Uh, that boogeyman gets deconstructed and now you're left with, oh, okay. So you don't think it'll affect me all that much. I was like, I just don't think it'll affect you for the reasons that we've gone over. No. Do, do you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. What else do you want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's where it's so important to just start, you know, to, to people watching or reading start to develop that sense, that sixth sense for fact versus opinion projection, right? Like, and, and, and that's, yep. as I said, I think that's where it gets tricky is because everyone's doing both, right? Like the Wall Street Journal is going to give you objective fact news, but then they're going to follow that up with opinion and projection and, and predictions, all that stuff. But as the consumer of that information, it's incumbent on you to build that muscle to be able to determine the two. To Michael's point, I think Wall Street Journal is a great place to go for the for the the former, right? For that objective news, they've been around a long time. They've been doing. It. I think there's a lot of places like that, but they are going to pepper in some of the other stuff too. So there's probably nowhere to go that's that's a mainstream source that anybody would know of. That's going to be wholly one or wholly the other which is why it's so important just to try to engage with that mindset of every sentence you read, it's going to be somewhere on that spectrum. And just the farther it is to that right side of the spectrum, right? That, that conjecture, put less weight on it, put less mm -hmm. weight on it. So, so let me ask you this, Jared or Adam, if I, if I told you, Hey, I've got an investment that for sure, if you, if you believe me and, and I'm going to show you my track record, I earn. 22% a year compounded year after year. That's what I do. And I can show you my returns and you believe me, how much money would you pay for me to be your advisor, for me to be the person investing your money? A lot, right? You yeah. would pay a lot. So why would I believe that somebody's out there giving that away for free? In other words, mm -hmm. whatever somebody, when, when people are making these outlandish promises or predictions, it's basically advertising. It's me trying mm -hmm. to sound smart so that mm -hmm. you'll come. The, the reality is history is this. We know that in many cases, there's a reversion to the mean. So history kind of repeats itself. This is what you should expect within these parameters. All right. Nobody's going to make a bajillion dollars telling you that because you've already tuned out. You're like, oh, this guy over here has got, you know, a 22% return annualized for the past 17 years. I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. So good point. Is there anything else, Adam, that we could just beat this dead horse with or it's good? No, I, I think that's it. Again, I just want to stress, you know, not anti-media, not anti-news. I think in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a, in a republic like ours, in a democracy like ours, it plays a functional role. And that's why I'm so passionate about understanding the incentive structure, because that leads to the outcome most of the time. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I think we've touched on it all, but I would love to hear, you know, feedback. I'd love to hear, in particular, I'd love to hear folks that disagree. You know, I'd like to hear differing opinions and why they disagree and specifically what they disagree on. And um, so I can continue to kind of develop my own, my own thought process around this topic. Michael? No, I'm good. The horse is dead. Horse is dead. Thank you guys so much for your time. Last question, uh, Jared, are we required to also have mustaches for next next episode? Well, <laughs> if you're able. He turned that one around on me. I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. Well done, Jared. That's enough for today. Hey, man, it's the only thing I can grow. I'm serious. I have absolutely go. no hair follicles here. Zero. It's smooth okay. baby skin. Uh, it's okay. It's a good stash. I'm jealous. Uh, appreciate that. All right. See you all next time. Bye, guys. Look forward to it. Bye. If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.